Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kachina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. Back on our series of conversational witchcraft today, we are talking to one of my favorite humans on the planet. I know I say that a lot. I have a lot of favorite humans, but this one is is really fantastic. This is the amazing, incredible, kind, darling, fantastic friend, Robbie Packard. Uh, Robbie is the proprietress of the Robin's Nest, a metaphysical shop where magic meets community, located in Bellingham, Massachusetts. She's a witch and a high priestess of the craft. She's helped to foster a thriving pagan community by setting the example of kindness and compassion while walking her personal walking in her personal power. Robbie is a general member of the Temple of Witchcraft and a practicing witch for almost 30 years. She's a businesswoman, an artist, craftswoman, community leader, charity organizer, and most importantly, a proud puppy mama, uh, as you can hear the puppies in the background as we begin today. Uh, she has obsessions with gardening, photography, fabric, yarn, art, and of course, coffee, and strives to enjoy a combination of these things every day. Robbie, 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 welcome. Welcome Thank to you. the podcast. Welcome to the shoe. It's a really big shoe. Um, th- this is really fun for me, especially because well, first of all, I love you to pieces. I, mean, I love you. I mean, I mean, I feel like I just started this podcast so I have an excuse to talk to my friends. Like that's really, right? that's really how it feels. Oh, who's this? Who's this? This is Emma. Hello, is Emma. Emma. And Emma's a Boston <laughs> Terrier. As um, all of your, yep. all of your pups are Terriers, except for Polly B, the new pate, the new baby. Yeah. He's a Boston Frenchie mix. So, he's a, so he's half Boston, half Frenchie. So is that a, a Benchie? It's called a Frenchton. A Frenchton. A Frenchton. Yes. Um, so, so you are literally one of my favorite people. I mean, oh, thank you. You know, uh, but but what I was going to say was this is extra exciting for me because most of the people that I have uh, had on the show to this point have been authors, um, and you are an entrepreneur, craftsperson, also in the pagan community. Uh, mm-hmm. My my cat just knocked something off the table. So if you were to thump everyone, that's what that was. It's very, this is going to be all about the dogs and cats. It really is. It really, I don't even, he's like going after something, but it's amazing for me to have another entrepreneur on the show because so far we've really been focusing on, you know, the world of writing and being an author and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so to talk to someone in the pagan community, walking this path, whose focus is, community um, action and togetherness and entrepreneurship and running a business. Um, I'm very excited because I want to share your journey of craft and business with everyone. I don't necessarily know if people, and you and I have had this conversation, I think personally a bunch of times, like people have this misconception of if you are walking a pagan path, then um, there's almost like a feeling of well, I, I shouldn't be able to be successful in business. Money is the devil. And uh, I can't want to be successful. I have to do the work just for the sake of the work and not really about, you know, being successful uh, as a business person. Um, Which I have to tell you is so funny. I just, I got to interject there because how many witches, pagans, whatever you identify as, how many of them constantly are doing money magic? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, <laughs> yeah. 
love and money, you know? And it's like doing all the, yes. And doing all the money magic because it's like, they want to bring more um, prosperity Mm -hmm. into their lives. And, um, and yet there's this weird feeling of. It's a disconnection. Yeah. Or, or it's like, or I have to be deprived. Yeah. You know, it, to, to actually be, you know, a true witch or a true pagan or, or whatever. Or, or a true Again, artist, right? That, that true, are you, this, the premise of the starving, the starving artist. That's bullshit. That's yeah, bullshit. You know, I mean, you can be an artist in whatever you want to do and be successful. A long time ago, a friend said to me when I was struggling with that, a friend said to me, um, you have to figure out what your fee is. Fee being F-E-E fair energy exchange. If you're putting this amount of energy into something and the energy that you're asking for in return is money because everything is energy, then Uh you have to figure out how much, you know, how much cooking you did. What was your cooking energy and what is your cooking energy worth in money energy and vice versa. And it really changed my perspective and going, oh, what I do has worth. You know, um, yes. So I would love to talk to you about your journey of finding your path as a witch or pagan. I'm not sure which term you prefer. I identify as a witch. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. your, your, your path of finding the path of being a witch and then also the path of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Because for me, entrepreneur, that word has been, um, it was a hard thing for me to kind of like, start to, to call myself, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I run a business. Oh, I, I make olive oil. Oh, I'm, I write books. Oh, I teach classes. And I, and, and all the while building a brand and not really being okay with that term entrepreneur, because I was like, Oh no, no, I'm, I'm just this little kitchen, witch, and I'm like, Oh no, I really am building a brand. And that's what you're doing with the yes. Robin's nest. So yeah. this is kind of what I want. First of all, what did you do before? How did you find your path and how did you decide you wanted to run a business. Well, uh, and that's so funny. Um, so I, I lived in the corporate world for a lot of years. I actually, I started, um, what my first job, I worked in a grocery store. This is my first job, 16 through about tw- uh, age 21 and 21, 22. And, um, and so I had, you know, going up through the chains of that, um, having opportunities to learn a little bit about marketing and ordering and, and stuff like that. I really enjoyed, you know, that those parts of it, you know, I didn't enjoy the constant drama and, and everything else. I mean, it's like customers, (laughs) you know what though? That's not true because I loved my customers. By the time that I moved up to being a cashier in the grocery store, I actually had a stream of regular customers. It's, it's, it's very, it's not in life today. Yes. And, um, like I, at, you know, 21 years old, I, during the holidays, I'd wear a, a Santa hat to work and, and I would make cookies and I would pass them out to my favorite customers that would come through like yeah. multiple times a week. And, and that, and people would, even if I had a longer line than someone else, people would stand in my line so that we would have conversation and stuff. And that was even at a young age. Um, and then I moved into hospitality. So I worked for the Four Seasons uh, out in Santa Barbara, California. I did for- not know this about you. Yeah, I worked in hospitality for almost um, ten years. Okay, that makes so much sense now. Like if you yeah. know, if you know Robbie, she's like the most 
hospitable hostess, like <laughs> hospitality being part of your magic, I think yeah. for sure. It, it's always that aspect of wanting, you know, wanting people to feel comfortable and welcome. And I would say truthfully, so it was in my early twenties that I was introduced to the craft. Um, I had no connection to it in my younger years growing up. And I think that's one of the things that's amazing these days is the accessibility. Like I had back in the eighties, we had nothing, you know, I mean, it was just like, and even in the early nineties and whatnot, I always knew the things that I liked. And I always, like when I was a kid, I lived in a pretty rural area and there was all these abandoned quartz mines. So you would find you know, uh, milky quartz, ro- rose quartz. Oh, come like on. That. That's oh, yeah. amazing. And so I would go and I would gather up all these rocks, you know, right. and I would make circles and I would sit in them or I would climb under bushes and I'd be like, oh, I'm just talking with my friends. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, I was that weird kid. You're talking to the fairies and you're, yes. you know, I mean, you, you, when the you're, land spirits. Yeah. When you're a child, you those filters aren't there or or it's just so much easier to connect with things because you believe them for what they are, as opposed to having to, as an adult, be like, are there fairies? Are there spirits? Mm, I'm not sure. I used to, when I was younger, and again, I had no, I had no association with the craft. I didn't even know it existed. I used to take my cousins, my sister and my two cousins, when we would spend the night at their house, on guided journey meditations to other realms. And what did yeah, you I think, mean, what did you think you were doing? This was just like, it was something that we would do. We'd be at my aunt's house and, you know, my cousins would come out of their room late at night and, and come into the back room where my sister and I were, and we would lay out there. And, um, so it was usually around the holiday breaks of school and yeah. things like that. And I would have us travel. Are you ready for this? Because again, I grew up with a basic Christian background. We would travel through, through the star of Bethlehem into another world. So I would, and, and I was probably like 10, you know, and, and, and I would tell a story. I just thought I was telling stories and we would travel through the stars to go to these other realms. And so it was really, it was really cool. So, you know, when I look back on my life, it's like, I, obviously I've been a witch my entire life. I mean, that's just an integral part of who I am. So, you know, I worked, I worked in hospitality for a number of years and then, uh, I worked in corporate America. I worked in insurance. I worked in banking. Um, and there came an opportunity back when I was still living in San Diego to, and of course I love all things coffee, um, to open a very small, and I mean, tiny, 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 tiny coffee cart kiosk. And so I did that only for about a year before meeting my husband and moving out to Massachusetts. And we've been out here 15 years now. Um, so there was, I had lots of experiences, um, you know, in my early twenties living in Santa Barbara with, uh, going to places that I found magical and peaceful, but I was also very uncomfortable. And that was an interesting dynamic because I wanted to be in these spaces so bad, but I didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel like I could be there. Why was that? You know, it was weird. I don't, (sighs) 
so there's this one shop in Santa Barbara that I would go to and, and, and I didn't have any money. Like I was working two and three jobs. I yeah. barely, it was back in the day when you could roll pennies for gas money. Oh yeah. We've all done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it was, there was this one shop and it was bright and it was airy and it was beautiful. And they had these pod things that you could sit in and listen to this great, you know, peaceful, transformative, what we would consider new age music. But I always, but it was Santa Barbara. Things were very expensive, even in the early nineties. And, um, but the people that work there were much older. (laughs) Actually, they're probably my age now. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. Right. Yeah. It was very intimidating. And I didn't, I felt like I was intruding. I didn't feel like I was, you know, welcome in the space. So that always stuck in the back of my mind. And, um, after we moved here and I'm working my corporate banking job and, um, I started getting, you know, I met a couple of people in the, the pagan community. And I find that on the East coast, it's much more accessible than what I had available to me back on the West coast. And it, it just kind of started with, you know, those messages from spirit that just started, Hey, you should open a shop. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Right. Um, And, and over the course of, in all honesty, about two years, um, and it was getting more intense from spirit, more intense from spirit of you need to create a place for people to gather, you need to, to open a store, you know, and, and I was getting, uh, truthfully, I was getting very frustrated by the constant message. It was not inspiring. Um, it was like, it was like a nagging. Like, yes. Mommy, 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 mom, mommy, mom, mom, mom. mom. <laughs> Right. Like they're, yes. they're like really pissed off. They're like everywhere you go, there's a sign and you're like, I hear you. Maybe I'm not ready. I hear you. It's the wrong yep. time. Right. Like, yeah. Well, the biggest part of it too was, you know, there, there was, there was multi-levels of, of factors that were, um, you know, kind of keeping me in my place on it. And, and the biggest one was fear. Absolutely. Um, you know, and the biggest one was, was really, really fear yeah. of, you know, can I can I do this? You know, I don't have inherently a business background. You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and, and it was like, I I have no money. Mm. How do I start a business with no money? And, um, I have no place to do it. Like I can't, you know, all these things are going on in my head. And so one day I just got very frustrated and I was like, you know what? I I'm done. If this is what I am truly and honestly, if this is my life path and this is what I'm supposed to do, I need a sign. I don't want no stupid bird on a car sign. Like, no, no, you know, nothing vague. Right. Like I need specifics. Yes. So I, I, I put this out there and I was like, otherwise leave me that, leave me the F alone. Right. You know, you can totally say fuck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, Robbie doesn't curse. So. so. so it was, I, I'm just like, I, I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm yeah. done being harassed three days later. Now I tell no one of this, no one three days later, I'm, I'm sitting at home and my husband, Mark walks in through the front door and he's like, Hey, I was like, yeah, how was your day? He was like, good. He goes, I have a place for you to open a store. And I, <laughs> yeah, that was the look on my face. Like, I'm I mean, sorry. What now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm sorry. What? 
And he goes, yeah, I, I have a place for you to open a shop. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, you have talked about this for years and, and I have a place. So he had a friend that owned a building, falling down building um, in, in Milford. And um, the back part, I mean, this building was over 200 years old and Mark had done maintenance and work on this building for years. It had been in the guy's family. The, fir- the front part of the building in the upstairs was being used um, as a music store and lessons. The back half was just had a bunch of junk piled in it. And he's like, yeah, he says, you can just totally use it. He's, he, you don't even need to pay rent. And I'm like, what? And, and it was just so, you know, um, Cheryl, one of my, you know, very, very close friends. And, um, I was just like, I, uh, <laughs> what do you say? And, like, and literally, like you were like, I want to, I want the sign. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's, yeah. here's this space that's free. So there's no risk. You're, you're worried about, I don't have any money. All those what ifs, all those buts that you're doing well, in your the- head are now gone. You have no excuse. Well, and that's just it. I still didn't have any money. Right. And so we're cleaning, you know, we have to clean out this space. We've got to fix things. You know, my kids were really young at the time. And, um, and I'm like, what, well, how am I going to buy a product? You know, we had the wherewithal to do the physical labor yeah. for, you know, transforming. And it was a very small space. Um, and then all of a sudden I, I start getting credit card offers in the mail and then the two credit cards that I had, um, they were like, Hey, you've been a really great customer for all these years. And my credit was junk. Yeah. So let's just keep that in mind. My credit at the time was junk. Yes. And we're not advising people to go into crazy no. debt. No, but, no, no. But, but if, it was, if it was like the opportunity is money. there. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. All of a sudden here's money because opening a small business, I found out very quickly, nobody wants to give you any money. No. And, um, it wasn't until we were at our seven year mark that a bank actually gave me a business loan seven years. So for seven years, I maxed out and rotated maxing out my personal credit cards because that's how I ran my business. Uh, still there, still, still there. Right. Like, uh, that is, that is what it's unfortunate what what small businesses have to do but but the yeah, the fact sure. that uh there you are all of a sudden and like you said the the money becomes available to you and yeah i mean it wasn't a grand amount no, but it was just enough just enough and and yeah. you were smart about it so so you were able to kind of like refurnish this small space you were able to you know bring in a small selection of products and and get going how yeah. terrifying was that? Because once it you was go very from, terrifying. right, once you go from, well, I'm afraid well, I can't do this. What if I fail to, oh my God, what if I succeed? Yeah. And it was, so for the first few years, I actually still worked my corporate banking job. So I would, I would work three days a week at the bank and I would work four days a week at the shop. And, um, you know, and so there was, there was transformation like that first six months, there was, um, there was some big changes that happened. I initially started with a business partner. Um, and I, and I'm forever grateful to that person for kind of getting me off my butt and getting things going, but it was just, a, it was a no good situation. Yeah. Mr. B, I'm sorry to all of you. No, <laughs> the baby is, is like wanting to play and Violet's having none of it. <laughs> Cause there are four, like, I'm there are you down. four puppies. Four. Yes. Four, four. 
So the interesting part of it was how things, you know, grew and changed. And then it's kind of that premise of build it and they will come. And so communities started developing um, over time and people would find us. And Cheryl and I were just talking last night how there were days where we would have nobody come into the show. Yeah. You know, absolutely none. Absolutely. So, so getting back to your, your story here, you know, I believe that there's a misconception that running a small business is easy. Right? I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to. I have to people do. They, 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 oh, my gosh. You I, get to make your own hours. I, you, I wish I had your life. And I'm like, I, would, yeah, I wouldn't trade my life for no. anything. But no. I also wouldn't wish it on the weak of heart. Because... It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I also think that your journey and my journey in in particular are very interesting because many people believe that being a, quote, professional witch is Mm -hmm. about making money off of tarot readings, psychic readings, uh, Mm -hmm. teaching, and and as in being, you know, practicing your craft and making money off of the the actual, like doing the Mm -hmm. rituals and whatever. And the truth is that, and and I say this to everyone, but being a witch is the way we walk through the world. It's who we- It's how we live our lives. It's how we live our lives. So when you take that and you kind of shake it all up with entrepreneurship, it bleeds into everything we do as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. However, you need to be a good business person and have make the make decisions as a business person to be successful and those yes. two things can exist you can be a good business person and a good witch yes at the same time absolutely can you speak a little bit about that sort of um combination of tasks or that combination of philosophies in your success or in, in a failure that you had that taught you that lesson? Well, I think the success and failures, if you know, we want to call them failures, is uh, they go hand in hand. And it's, it, it, it's very much this cyclical motion, you know? Um, so there's plenty of things that I've done that, that would be considered a failure. And like I said, this whole journey for me of entrepreneurship and, um, running the business part of it, but then overlaying it with, you know, community service work and charity work. And I'm a Gemini, wear lots of hats. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, you know, there's, there's all of that. So there's things that I've tried, especially at the beginning. I remember when we got our first shipment in, like we were about ready to have our grand opening. The first box comes in. I'm like, I have no idea how to price this. Uh, not, not a clue. Not a clue, right? Right. You know, and and it was like, you know, so over the years, I, you know, you learn things, and you know how how do we do our pricing? Why do we do our pricing a certain way? And you know how how much do we have to dig to find resources that fit within what it is the energy that we're trying to put out there? I think one of the things that's different about the Robin's Nest as far as product lines go is I don't purchase 
specifically from only metaphysical distributors. Right. I don't. Because again, like you said, it's, this is my everyday life. So I live my life consciously as a witch in how I can be in balance with, you know, the harmony of the earth, harmony of the seasons, harmony of my community, all of those things. I'm not always successful, but I do try. It's the effort that counts. It really is the effort. It is. But like, what are the things that bring me joy and happiness? It doesn't necessarily have to be this quote, metaphysical item or witchcraft item. It could be something that is, that we use for every day. One of my favorite things ever is aprons. Like I make aprons. I love aprons. You know, I, I love the energy around a useful tool. I am obsessed with cauldrons because they're useful. Yeah. Practicality. I love things that are practical, right? I have a hundred million wooden spoons. I will always buy wooden spoons. Dish towels. Again, those dish towels, dish towels, power sack, dish towels, hands down the best. I love you can use them for so much. You can leave them, use them for everything. And for me, like as a kitchen, witch, a dish towel is so practical in my working that I'm doing because it's, I'm always cleaning up or washing my hands or whatever. I will, especially if I'm doing like big cooking and I have my, I put an apron on and I tuck a a dish towel into my apron strings because that's just who I am. But those dish towels help me to influence my environment. So I change them out for the seasons. So they're, Mm -hmm. they're not just a tool, but they're also a visual cue. But not only that, so I, I had designed a line of the flower sack towels that have witchcraft symbolism on yes. it. Pentacles, trichetras, yes. you know, I, I have one that I absolutely love. It's called Feed the Ancestors. And it's a child, you know, holding a flower. Mm-hmm. There's a tree with a skull at the base of the tree. And she's feeding the flower to right. do it. You know, so that one, like I do when I'm doing, you know, ancestral cooking, I know a lot of people that actually have used them as altar cloths and they set that down. The one with, you know, one with a pentacle on it and I'm putting it over my food and stuff. So I'm infusing it with that beautiful energy. The cutting Cutting boards, boards. like the cutting boards that we make that are hand, that are burned with the symbolism. So you're chopping and you're cutting and you're, and so the, 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 the magical symbol is always there reminding you of your magic. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Because those everyday tasks, those practical items also are ritual. They carry magic. Getting back to this is who we are and yeah. how we will move through the world, yes. not necessarily just what we do. Right. I mean, listen, we're yeah. both business owners. So th- the likelihood that I'm out under every full moon doing a ritual is like, it's not happening. Like, I'd be very honest, that's not happening. Like, it never happens. No. Right. No. But we cook our meals. You yes. lay out a cup of coffee for friends that have passed. Like we do yep. this sort of everyday magic and it's those items that help us do those things. Yes. That's why you, that's why at the, at the rum desk, you'll find a lot of those types of items, like things that I handcraft, things that, you know, call to me. Um, and, and, you know, we're so busy and I I'm so incredibly grateful. We, we celebrated our 12th anniversary this year, which is mind blowing, seriously mind blowing, but there's, you know, there's, there's things that I still like to make when I have time to make them and, you know, sewing projects. I like making my ritual robes and seeing people in our community wearing them. And I mean, it's, 
it's incredible, the journey really, but it's, you know, people think people don't realize how much work goes in before the shop even opens. Yeah. You know, and you were saying and, earlier when we first came on, you were like, yeah, no, I'm up at six o'clock and, you know, making my I'm coffee. I'm having coffee and- at six. I'm usually up by five, five, 15. Right. I mean, listen, yeah. you're, you're ahead of me because I go through phases where I do that. You know, yeah. like uh, when I have to do big pushes, I'm like, you know, a production and stuff. And I would say that since COVID happened and I'm not on the road like I was, um, and our business has slowed down immensely, which is why I can do things like a podcast now. Um, and we, things have shifted for us. There's, there are elements of success and success mindset, um, that have to happen to be successful, whether or not you're a witch you know, in business. So those things like rising early, getting your shit taken care of, having a good outlook, knowing um, your customer, knowing your customer, right? That's a big thing. Like really knowing your, your demographic, knowing, you know, who are you serving? And you know, that that's the, I will tell you for me, that's the thing. It's, I don't consider myself the owner of the Robin's nest. I, I am not an owner. I am a caretaker. And that is a very big difference because for the Robin's nest, I treat the Robin's nest as its own being. And it really has developed into its own personality, Absolutely. its own energy, its own essence. Absolutely. And I care for it as such. And that is a very big difference. I think in this type of work versus maybe a, a, a different type of retail store, you know, there is an energy and essence. When I come into the shop in the morning, I say good morning. Yeah. It greets good you. Good morning, Ness. It greets you. Good morning to all the deities that call the Robin's Nest home that I have altars for. These um and and I know that if you see it on the video, you'll see behind me are um my altars to my friends that have passed uh in our classroom space. And, you know, they get their, their coffee. So Raven Gramasi and Paul Berthelet and David Irwin, and, um, you know, they all get their coffee in the morning and, you know, they make it a certain way they get. So there's that ritual that I do when I come in here and we activate the space. And at the end of the evening, it's the same process. You know, it's thank you. We go to each and every altar. We thank you for the blessings of this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to do this work because we have such a variety of people that just, they want to come in, grab a few crystals. They're interested in this. They're interested in developing their spirituality or, you know, and they may not know where to start. And so because of the amount of experience that we have, we can, you know, guide them in a way of here's a little bit of information I'm not going to spoon feed everything to you, you know, and off you go. This is a journey. It's a process. And this is how we learn. And, um, and then we have some people that come in and they're in true crisis, you know? So it's, it's interesting in this space, really, truly, because it's such a, such a wide variety of who we serve and that's it. We are serving, right? We are serving and we are caring for our community and, that mindset, um, especially in a metaphysical type of shop, makes a very big difference. The, when I see someone walk into the shop for the first time and they walk into the door 
and you know they hear the waterfall you know fountain so going freaking beautiful it, it is. And, and Lakshmi and Ganesha's altars right there. And, and it changes constantly because I'm always, I'm always moving things around, yeah. but they stop and they just take a deep breath and they're like, oh, and yeah. that weight that they carry on their shoulders, they're able to release. You know, it's, it's a hundred percent true. I mean, I, I have not been to the shop as many times as I wish I had, but I've been there enough to, um, to speak to what you're saying. I mean, you walk in and it's very unassuming because your location mm. is in like this strip mall, you know? Yep. And it doesn't, you walk up and you're like, really? This is the place? Okay. All right. And then you walk through the door and you're like, there's this fountain and there's Ganesha and there's, you know, there's always beautiful music and there's always chimes. And there's, you know, when you walk into a great shop and it has that smell, you know, the smell, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, people ask me all the time, what is that smell? And you're like, like, it's, it's just, everything. It's just, every, it's, this, it's the shop, it's, it's everything, it, you know, and you do, you take a deep breath and you feel connected. You feel um, connected to the space and also like to your heart. You're like, oh, right. This is how I'm supposed to feel all the time. Right. Okay. And then, of course, you're greeted by you and usually puppies and, uh, yeah. you know, and everything in the world feels better. It's like this, this bubble of, of peace and joy. And you're 100% right because not all shops feel that way. Um, there was a shop way many years ago when I was still living on Long Island, the tiniest little store. I mean, it was probably smaller than my kitchen. Um, and it was an amazing, amazing place. And I had the opportunity to, to work there part-time for right before I started like doing my own business, my own kitchen witchery thing. In fact, they gave me the opportunity to do my first real like paid workshop. And it was incredible. Um, and, and it had that same feeling. And that it's different now. Uh, one of the owners passed away and, um, it's just, it's just not the same. Um, but it had that feeling of it didn't matter where you were coming from or what you brought in the door with you and, and whatever you needed, whether, like you said, it was, it was a crystal or peace of mind, you would find it in that, in that space. And to, to have a, to be the person that provides that, you must feel an enormous responsibility. Very much so. But it all harkens back to, like I was telling you earlier about that shop in Santa Barbara that I would go to, that new age shop in Santa Barbara that I would go to because I always felt uncomfortable. And, you know, I lived a few years in Las Vegas and, and I was like, I need to find a witch store. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I found a place and it was, it was a bigger, more commercialized, um, type of, of shop. And again, I walk in, I was ignored. Mm. Um, and, and, and I, it was, I, I felt uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like I was intruding It's, it's just the energy of the space, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was such a big thing for me about the nest, um, was that it, I don't want anyone to feel that way. Now, that being said, this is a witch shop and we magic everything. And if you are not supposed to be in this space, you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're just going to, you know, want to to gravitate away. It's very rare that that actually happens. It's very, very rare. We have literally one rule at the nest, you know? Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. That's rule number one at Kachina too. Don't be a dick. Yeah, and rule number I, two. Just, just don't. Rule number two. See rule number one. Like that's, that's. The, right, yeah. <laughs> those are the it's rules. Don't be a it dick. It was like, 
Yeah. Don't, don't be a jerk and, and whatnot. It's like, I don't care what your religious preference is. Right. It doesn't matter to me. It's not going to diminish my religious preference or my spiritual preference, you know? And so when we're giving advice on, you know, somebody's like, I need to do a cleansing, but I don't know what's involved with that. I always say, you know, instead of, oh, you have to call on this deity, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's, you know, you're going to call on whatever deity that is right for you. Yes. Who do you pray to? Who do you call on when you are in trouble? Right. That's who you're going to go to because that's where your connection is. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, what's really interesting about those types of conversations is they're like, really, I can do that. And I was like, really, you can do that. Yes. Yes. The fact that my way is not the only way. Right. And isn't that refreshing, especially in these times to be in a space or to be the facilitator of, hey, what you choose is okay. You know, because when you walk into a shop like yours, whether you are a novice or whether you are seasoned, mm-hmm. the person running the shop or, or, or uh, you know, owning the space, and I, I mean, I, I don't mean in ownership way, I mean, you know, right. the person who's in the space, you tend to look at that person as an authority figure. Right. Right? So, so to walk in there and have an authority figure say, hey, whatever works for you is good. There are no yeah. rules. That's one of the things about uh, the pagan path that always appealed to me uh, when I was coming up was that, you know, coming from a very staunch Christian background, a Catholic background, where it's one way or you're going to hell, um, right. is that there is not one way. There's a million ways. And you can mix and match those ways as much as you like. So again, this going back to Robbie, you saying, I am a facilitator. I am in service. And the way you serve is to create this space, is to hold this space for people and give them permission to be and do and practice and believe however and whatever they want. And it is a gift. It's a gift. It is. And and, but I'm going to caveat that as well, um, because I hear Raven and I hear Christopher (laughs) and it's like, yes, you can do whatever you want and you can have your own path. And no, you can't. It's a yes and a no. It, it really is, um, you know, are, are we, especially, you know, the raven in my ear of, you know, there are paths. So I liken it to walking through the forest. I try to spend as much time in the forest as possible. It's what feeds me in such a deep, deep way. And, um, and there's lots of paths in the forest that intersect and stuff. And then there's areas where you're like, okay, we're going to be blazing trails here. And that really is such a metaphoric journey of witchcraft and, you know, pagan life. We can follow the path of what, um, has come before us. And Raven would say that all the time. And, um, so we learn the steps, Right. So if you're really choosing a witchcraft path, you're really choosing a pagan path and you're integrating this in with your everyday life, following in the footsteps of those who have gone before is much easier. Yes. And then there comes a point where you may veer off that path and intersect with another one. And then maybe you come back to this path. And, and you know, that is one thing, you know, is, is especially with the amount of time that I try to spend in the forest, our paths aren't straight. Absolutely. And, not. Absolutely and, not. and what, 
what we used to do, we may not do now, but we may come back to it again later. And it's, it's learning from those lessons along the way. So, um, so yes, as far as my personal opinion, as far as witchcraft goes, is there, there are tons of rules that you should follow or could follow. And then there's none. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that, isn't that, um, also so great because we've been talking very much about the pagan path and then also the path of entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. I think that that's that philosophy, that that um, that mindset of these paths and following in someone else's footsteps and then yep. finding your own and then combining what you've learned is also the path of success for running a business. Absolutely. Right? It's like- I, And it's important. It's so important. Because it's what sets you apart from from- I don't like to think of other metaphysical shops as, as competitors. Not I just all. don't. They're not. Uh, or they're not. They're really they're not. not because everybody has something to be able to give and to provide for our community and our world. Um, but, you know, as a business owner, you know, so when I put on the, the, the business, business hat, part of it, yes. the business hat, like I want to stand out. Mm. I have worked all these years, like you said, making a brand, yes. making a name. You know, they, we have people that come from New York, from Connecticut, from yes. New Hampshire, from you know, um, all over Massachusetts and stuff that specifically seek out to come here because they've heard of us. How amazing is that? That How is so incredible. Is that? It blows my mind. It, it blows my mind, it, but it is the amount of work that needs to be done. There, there's been some big changes. If, if people haven't been to the nest since pre-COVID, we've made some big changes because we had to make big changes. And I think as part of a successful business, we recognize that there are going to be times in our business that we have to change and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be scary Absolutely. and it's going to be all of those things. But you know, we don't have a choice and we need to, and we need to do that. Absolutely. And, um, I really want to hear about those changes and I want to talk about that. Let's take a quick break so that we can, uh, hear from our amazing sponsors and then we'll be right back with Robbie Packard, the amazing, incredible, kind, fantastic person. Okay, guys, I am ridiculously excited to tell you about what is going on with our friends at That Witch Life Podcast. Okay, you know how much we love our friends at That Witch Life. They're just fantastic and amazing. One of my favorite witchcraft podcasts. But they are hosting their very, very first virtual conference on living as a witch in today's world. It's called So Mote That Con on October 16th and 17th. That's right around the corner. Oh my God, so exciting. You can join this live virtual event from anywhere in the world. You could get online and see workshops and rituals, raffle prizes. Speakers include Amy Cesari of The Coloring Book of Shadows, Naya Lightfoot, Morgan Delamere, Evo Dominguez Jr., Courtney Weber, and even I am going to be giving a workshop on kitchen witchery. Oh my God, so exciting. Registration is now open at thatwitchlife.com. That's thatwitchlife.com. Early bird registration is available until September 21st. So you want to get on this as fast as possible. You guys should all be going to this. It just sounds like so much fun. It's a one of a kind 
first time they're doing this event, you know it's going to be good if that witch life is behind it. Super excited. Get your tickets, thatwitchlife.com, for these early bird registration. And if you miss the early bird registration, don't worry, you can still get your tickets. So excited. That Witch Life Podcasts, brand new virtual conference, SoMote.com, October 16th and 17th online. Can't wait to see you there, guys. You guys know I'm a huge music fan. Uh, We talk about music so much on the podcast and how it has influenced my spiritual path and my spiritual working. One of these really influential musicians for me is the amazing pixie mermaid witch human being. She's just amazing. S.J. Tucker. Um, S.J. Tucker is a lyricist, a vocalist, a amazing musician, composer, writing and singing, performing pagan folk music uh, that just transcends everything. I mean, you feel connected to spirit. You can feel connected to self. Her music is incredible for meditation, for ritual, for sitting quietly and journaling, for celebrating, for dancing, for drum circles, whatever it is you need. There is an SJ Tucker song that will warm your heart and fill your soul. You can find SJ Tucker's music at sjtucker.com. You can become one of her followers on Patreon at patreon.com slash sjtuckermusic. You can also listen to all of her music for free. Yeah, for free. And download what you like for the price of your choice. And order CDs and books directly at music.sjtucker.com. And if you'd rather have a more interactive experience with the music, she is doing tons and tons of online shows at a musician-run independent platform called OnlineConcertThing.com. That's OnlineConcertThing, all one word, dot com. Please, please check out SJ Tucker. Her music will not disappoint you. It will lift you up and fill your heart. SJTucker.com. We're back with uh, Robbie Packard from The Robin's Nest, talking about witchcraft and pagan path and entrepreneurship and community building and all that stuff that uh, she does through her shop, The Robin's Nest. So Robbie, before the break, you were saying that uh, since COVID, there have been a lot of big changes to the shop. Now, obviously, I haven't been there since before COVID. Um, I had the wonderful opportunity on many occasions to teach classes at the Mm -hmm. nest, uh, which were always, I mean, even if we had like three people and we've had, we had big groups, we had little groups. um, And then, and then I actually got to come to a couple of things um, where I wasn't teaching, which which was great. Where We did the, the uh, fireside with Raven, which was Raven. So wonderful. Um, Just like such a great memory. Um, So tell us, What's new at the nest? What's going on with you guys since COVID? Um, how have you navigated that and and cha- and 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 done whatever you needed to do to to stay alive in these times? 
So um, one of the biggest things that I think early on is, is I wanted the nest to be a place where, where people could come in, gather, and, you know, and I know you know how this is. It's like, I want the nest to feel like home. Yeah. So we would have kind of like our kitchen table mm-hmm. in the shop, and we had a place where you could get coffee and tea, and you could sit and visit, and we could chat with like-minded people. And, and we had that for years, years at the shop. And, um, so there was a big learning curve with that. So obviously when, when COVID happened, we had, we, we shut down, we shut down completely for three months and it was terrifying. So initially when we shut down and I had started kind of doing some weekly updates, some Facebook lives of things that were going on because we kind of saw this wave coming of what was happening. And I'll be honest with you. I was like, yeah, it's going to blow over. It's not a big deal. We were like, oh, and- it'll be fine. By by mid-April, we'll be back. Yeah, we were we were in the middle of doing like all these shows. We were vending yep. here and doing this and trade shows yep. and all these Same things. Here. And we were like, oh, yeah. I remember like uh, May, uh, March, like fourteenth or something. Yep. And it was like we were literally in Boston at a show, and it was like everything shutting down. Pack up your shit and get out of here. And we were like, it'll be fine. It'll be two weeks, and we'll be doing our show. You yep. know, at the beginning of April, it'll be fine. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, that was just it. It was like, you know, I had to do a Facebook live and be like, okay, so we had our spring nestable psychic fair, you know, we do three big years a year. So we had that on Saturday, crazy busy. We were like, all right, you know, we'll just, everybody use hand sanitizer and blah, blah, blah. And everybody was great about it. Yeah. And then, um, so that was, that was that Saturday. Then the following week, it was like, all of a sudden, very quickly, things started changing very, very fast. And we knew the governor of Massachusetts was going to shut down the state the following Monday. We knew it was coming. So on Friday, um, it, it was just, we had an experience on Friday and I was like, that's it. We're closed. We're closing the doors. And I had to go on and that really began kind of like my weekly update type of things that I do through Facebook. But it was this terror, like as a small business, as a, you know, legit small business. Yeah. um, Like we're so small that most like assistance for small business banks, this, that, the other, they're like, oh, you're too small. We're not going to help you. And I'm like, this is why we need help. Right. Um, Right. Right. And, and I was like, okay, it's only going to be two weeks. It'll be fine. It wound up being three months. I will tell you, we barely hung on during that time. And the, and, and we hung on because people in our community still supported us. Like I would get emails or I would get phone calls, Robbie, I want to buy $300 in gift certificates. Right. Okay. So that just paid my electric bill, you know? Or, you know, I, and, and we would do curbside, like I was the only person in the shop. I would package up things and, and they would, people would call me that they would come by. And I literally, I would go outside, I would set it down outside on the bench and come back inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so we did that. And then when we were able to reopen, we had to shift things around. So there's no more tea table at the nest. Right. Um, We don't offer that and it's not coming back. Um, and, and that was part of a learning thing. Cause the interesting part of it was we, we took out the tea table. We cleared out that space. We actually use that back counter now as a, as a workspace. And we have a small table that is literally for one employee to, you know, work at with whatever it is that we're doing processing orders and stuff. 
And we reconfigured um, displays in the shop to kind of space things out. And um, so people can move more freely and not feel so crowded. Right. But I think one of the biggest lessons was um, as much as we, and, and I'm going to be brutally honest here about this. Yes. As much as we loved having the tea table and having people come and hang out and those who are regulars and coming to the nest, you know, that, that community and that sense of togetherness um, from a business perspective, it actually was hurting our business. And that was, that was something that was a hard realization for me because it it was like, people felt like they were intruding in the space. Right. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We don't want that. Right. No one wanted to interrupt. Like, Oh, I have a question about this tarot deck, but I see you guys are all sitting there drinking tea and laughing and having a good time. Right. People's, um, the, the politeness takes over and they don't want to interrupt. And you'd be like, Oh, do you need something? And the customer's like, Oh no, I'm fine. No, and no, no, I don't want to bother I you. I don't want to bother you. And you're like, no, bother me. Yeah. Right. No, yes. absolutely. A- absolutely. So so that made a big difference, you know. So so in doing that, and and fortunately, when we were able to reopen in this past year that we've been open, we we reopened June of 2020. And um, and with um uh, all the COVID protocols in, in space, you know, masks, hand sanitizers, um, occupancy limits. Like only a certain amount of people were allowed in the store at any one time. And, you know, so we've been navigating those things along the way. Um, But taking out the tea table and creating that more open space and allowing people the freedom to really be able to be like, ask questions and not feel like they were intruding was a huge, huge um, boost to our business from the business perspective, but also in the serving perspective, because you know, we're able to help more people. Absolutely. So, and, and in that time, and because we've had some downtime, we've, and we've done no class in-person classes for a year and a half. Yeah. 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so we've used that time to completely renovate our backroom space. So where we would have coffee and tea for guests who had cl- during classes, it's all now in the back room. We've renovated a small little kitchen area. We've renovated our classroom space. Um, So we've put in a lot of time and money into creating that space. So when we start doing in-person things again, and it's a very slow process um, because it would be nothing to pack 30 people into our classroom and it's not a huge space. So we'd be very snug. Um, And it's not not the right time. I mean, every time we think that it's the right time, another way of something else is happening and you know, and so yeah, we actually Friday this coming Friday in a couple of days will be our first in-person class that we are doing at the nest. So we've been doing zoom classes and everything else and it's limited to 10 people. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. And, you know, as much as I want to welcome everybody back with open arms and, and when we we've reinstated the mask protocol, you know, regardless of vaccination status, absolutely. You have to keep, yes. It, it protects the vulnerable in our community. Yes. And so that's what's really important. Yes, absolutely. So there's all these layers, all these, these facets that, that we've been doing. And I think one of the biggest lessons for me, there was a couple of things for me personally, is I realized when COVID happened and I had to stop everything that I had become the proverbial boiling frog, not even realizing it. And I know you understand this. I understand it so well. 
Oh my gosh. I understand. It's like, so... oh, I can just add one more thing. I can do one more thing. It's, I can one more... Do one it's more... fine. It's fine. I can take it. I can take it. I can yes. take it. You know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then when everything stopped, it was like, you know, my head's spinning. I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, and then I'm like, I have time to dedicate to being in my garden. I have time to dedicate being with my husband. Isn't that the best? And yeah. <laughs> and the best. it really is. And so it really made me realize that if I am going to sustain doing the work that I'm doing, I need to rethink how I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, I am a huge proponent of charity work. And, um, and so I can't necessarily be out there hands-on with it. But if my business is successful in the work that I'm doing, I can provide more financial contribution to yes. the charities that speak to my heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is so you know? important. You know, what you're saying, I think people are feeling and have been feeling for so long mm-hmm. that because things are different, it's bad. It's not bad. It's actually right. taught us a lot of really great things. Right. What ha- and, and I think that's also perspective and, and being able to say, you know, um, I'm, I'm still going to find gratitude in the shit storm yes. that is the world right now. Um, right. I mean, really. And there's so yes. many things that just keep adding to the shit storm. But in our own personal lives, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that as witches? How did we deal with that as entrepreneurs? How do we deal with that within our businesses? And and what you're saying just speaks so true for so many of us, this idea of realizing what's not working. Right. And, and doing, having the courage to change it. Having the courage to change it. And then, then you see other people going, well, I can't do what I've always done, so I give up. I can't do it yes. at all, and I'm just going to give up. And, and that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart too, yeah. Like adapt. Because so I, I will say with the experience of COVID and, and what we're still doing that, especially with small business, and I'm, I try to put out as much as pot. I mean, I, this is my thing, support your small business, support your small businesses. Constantly, like this is my mantra. Yep. And, um, so it's, it, I mean, it's, it's so, so important, but through COVID we've seen this, you have small businesses that have been completely wiped out. Yes. Overnight. Overnight. And, and, you know, and other businesses that have um, been able to weather it and do well, the Robin's Nest. And I, I, I attribute this so much to not only the hard work that we do. Yes. There's a lot of hard work that, that we do to make sure that things still go on here, but it's the community. It's the community that has supported us for so many years is why we're here. And, um, and we're thriving. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say every morning, good morning, and I am so grateful that I get to walk into the shop and do what I do. It, it, it's not lip service. No, like it is in my heart. It is in my soul. Like I am so fortunate, but people think, oh, you have the best job in the world. This is awesome. You can come when you want, you can do what you want. And I was what before, even when we had the tea table and I could sit and have a cup of tea with people and things like that. People think that what we do is easy and it is really, it's not, you know, I am in here at seven 30 in the morning. Yeah. I have hours worth of paperwork that needs to be done, you know, tax and I'm constantly working on taxes, but that's all. It seems like that's all we're working, you know, (laughs) and paperwork and ordering and searching and researching. And you know what, that display, 
that that display is off by a quarter of an inch. I need to move it. Right. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. And we need to dust and we need to clean yeah. and we, this. Yeah. and I'm really fortunate that I have an amazing team of people that yeah. help me with it because yeah. I could not do this by myself. There's yeah. no way. It's so important. Um, you know, getting back to support your small businesses. Um, I, I definitely think that the COVID crisis has awakened the general public into yeah. how important local community businesses are. I think often, right. you know, before in our lives, you'd be like, oh, I need something. Uh, I'm just going to run to Target. Oh, I need something. I'm just going to run right. to, you know, whatever. Um, and although myself personally, I mean, I've done a lot of ordering online for your everyday things, but there are more often than not, I'm looking for, can I get this item from a local maker or a local shop? Like I could buy cat food from Petco, or I can right. buy the same cat food from a local small pet store. Yep. Right. So even if that product yeah. is commercially made, I'm going to go to the local store and spend my money there because they need it more than Petco needs it. Um, and, and, and that's what I saved us. Exactly. And I want, and I want to, I also want to add to that, which is really important. Yes. You're going to pay a little bit more. Absolutely. Yes. You are. 100%. You're going to pay a little bit more. Yes. And it's worth it because while, you know, you might save literally a couple of dollars by ordering online through that big name company. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and then you've got, you know, the convenience of that great, but those extra $2 that you spend on that book, okay. Goes to pay for the electricity, right? It goes to pay for rent. It goes to pay for heat. It goes to pay for cooling. Um, you know, and it, and it's what creates the atmosphere. And I will tell you this, and I have to say this, I have to say this, Amazon, Walmart, Target, all those big stores, they don't care about that crazy dream you had. They don't, they don't care about that weird experience right. that you had walking through the cemetery at night and want to hear your story. Right. Right. I want to hear Oh, we story. totally want to hear it. Yeah. I, the Amazon you know? doesn't care if you, you know, like, if you made a recipe from this book or if you, yeah. you know, bought an olive oil and you're like, God, oh, is my favorite thing. They don't care. They just want your money. No. But like, if you come to yeah. me and you're like, oh my God, I use your garlic oil on everything. I'm like, really? Oh, thank yeah. you. Oh yes. my God. Thank you so much. You yes. know, like people, I think one of the things that has come from COVID is that the general public, not even just the pagan community, but the general public has taken a further interest in shopping at local farmers markets, being more conscious of where they're buying things, going out of their way to make sure that they're shopping locally because the the local economies and the local businesses are in crisis. And even now, 18 months in, businesses like mine, businesses like yours are still trying to figure out how do we, you know, I can't... with olive oil, part of my company, we can't do events because we're not allowed to sample anymore. Right. So, so doing an event, even a small farmer's market without sampling doesn't make financial sense for right. us because you still have to pay the same amount of money to do the event, yes. but you're not going to get the same amount of sales. So exactly. we, we're not doing them anymore. So we're trying to figure out, and then you throw on top of that, which I think is something that people aren't aware of. And I'm not sure if in your business, you're, you're getting these issues, the supply chain issues. Yeah. Supply chain issues have been an issue. Huge, right? Some things that I'm, that I'm ordering. Um, so it's really, that also is part of the learning experience for things, especially for me. So again, 
I try to think outside of the box about different types of products that, I mean, we carry all your, your traditional things that you would expect to find right. at a metaphysical shop at a right. witch store. But I also carry other items that can be incorporated into part of it and how, um, right. we can make it part of our everyday magical life. And, and, and I love beautiful things and I love having a beautiful home and, yes. and, you know, and all of those. So we do that, but what's for like, I couldn't get cauldrons for a while. Yeah. You know, so there's the supply chain issue is an issue. It's across the board. And so, and it really does push me to more looks outside the box for other opportunities. And I have other companies that I work with that would not be considered metaphysical in any way. And yet they're incorporated into the nest and it, it, it works. So what I've had to do is when product becomes available again, because it's, it's this up and down cycle, you just buy a ton. I buy a ton. Yeah. And I've created a stock room, which I never had before, but right. I have to, Yep, you know, so it's like, oh my gosh, cauldrons are back in stock. I'm buying three times the amount that I normally would right. so that when they go back out of stock again, right. I'll be able to make it through and, and have mm-hmm. product for my guests right. and my and- customers everybody's doing that, which then causes more supply chain issues. And then you're dealing with like the, the freight charges on things are just, they're astronomical. So I don't, and, and companies like you, companies like me, we're going to have to, if not, and, and I'm like super honest, right. We're going to have to raise our prices. Like I can't, everything has, everything has, has. like we can't. And I try to be mindful of that. Right. I really try to be mindful of you know, where can I raise prices on things where it's going to be minimal, but the, the ink, and this is, again, this is business talking Mm -hmm. because, you know, it is a business as well as everything else that we're doing. So where can I raise prices in certain areas so that it actually evens out in the areas that I can't raise prices? Exactly. Exactly. And it it keeps a balance and it doesn't in, you know, the, the, the learning of, I don't want this to create a financial hardship for my guests. Yes. I don't want this to create a financial hardship for my customers. Yes. And, um, and you know, in that, so it's like really figuring out the nuances of how can I spread out this cost? Yes. So say, say the cost of cauldrons go up by 20%. It's a lot. You know, it is a lot. It is a lot. And I'm not going to lie they have gone up that much yeah. because you're looking at freight, you're looking at cost of materials and you look at the origin of where they're created yep. and, and then the, the, um, the taxes and fees that they have to pay just to even get them into this country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, yes, we're supporting small business and we're doing all of this, but the biggest part of business that I think people don't understand is that our, our, economy is not limited to the United States. It is global. global. Yeah. Every aspect of business that we do as a small business in all ways, the shapes and forms is global. Absolutely. And it's all interconnected. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and if you are, you know, we get people all the time trying to approach us and say, oh, well, we run a small local herb farm and we want to supply your herbs for our olive mm-hmm. oil. And I'm like, sure. Can you make me 50 pounds of dried basil? And they're like, no, we, we don't have that capacity. And I'm like, 
I would love to work with you, but I, I can't because I can get 50 pounds of dried basil from right. a grower in, you know, Tunisia and, yeah. you know, and it's affordable and it's organic and it's ethically sourced, all the things yep. I need it to be. And they can provide that kind of bulk um, volume for, for, for a price I can afford. Um, and, right. and it becomes very difficult. It becomes very difficult yep. to, if you wanted to, you know, and, and like you, you know, we do as much as we can to, to support as local as possible. Again, Absolutely. if I'm going to buy my bottles, my glass bottles for my olive oil, I'm going to buy them from a local guy in Maine, but he's still getting them from overseas. Correct. Or from Mexico. But I'm, Correct. I'm still Because going, that's where they're manufactured. Because that's where they're manufactured. That's where the plants are, yep. right? Yep. So, so, but I'm, I'm going to choose to do it with him because- Correct. He's he's local economy. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes I spend a little more on things. And then you yep. have to trickle that down. And I think that, um, and again, going back to the combination of entrepreneurship and, and the pagan path, the way that we wrap it in energy, and we are mm-hmm. not just about, let's make sure that we're making our bottom line. Let's just, that's part of right. our integrity as witches and as yes. entrepreneurs. Yes. Saying, you know, the integrity in which we're going to provide this product to our community and how that's going to affect all the bits and pieces, right? So in one bottle of olive oil, I have stuff from this guy, stuff from this person, labels from this person. So so I try to touch local economy on my side of buying and then also on my side of selling. Um, Yes. and, And all of those things are done with thought and intention of all parties involved. So yes. it's, 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 it's not just about, and I think that's the thing about, you know, being a, a, a as I like to say, a biz witch, right? Is yeah. that we are considering all those things from all those different points of view. Would you agree? Absolutely. I absolutely would. And I think, you know, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because Truthfully, Dawn, it's, you know, in the pagan community, and I love how we're overlapping all of this, you know, business in and of itself is, is not an easy thing. And, um, and yet we're adding another layer of, of integrity and, and resourcefulness and spirituality, spirituality, and all of that. So we're adding all these different layers for how we're doing our business. And, um, you know, and this is something that really is not discussed in the pagan community not at all. Not it's at not. All. And so I, I'm just, I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation because it really makes a, you know, it, I think it brings an awareness of, of what is behind all that we do and yeah. that it's not as easy as it looks. No. Um, and the amount of energy that we put into it. But I think also, especially when we start looking at um, successful uh, pagan and witchcraft businesses, you know, stores, shops, things like that. And, and, you know, like what you do, like what I do, and the support that our businesses provide for each other. I mean, we've carried, we've carried Cucina Aurora oils for Uh, 10 years, at least 10 years. At least. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I met someone at my very, very, very first vending of a Ren Fair, which was Winslowshire Ren Fair. Um, and someone was like, your products are amazing. You need to meet Robbie from the Robin's Nest. And I was like, who? 
okay. <laughs> and I like made a phone call and you were like, yeah, so-and-so bought me this bottle of olive oil. Yeah, you're, this is great. And I was like, okay, you were one of my very first like wholesale accounts. Like, yeah. Really? And, and this, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> especially here. Like, cause remember I'm from New York originally. So yes. um, I had started marketing a little bit. Um, I, I think you were one of like the first 10 or 20 wholesale accounts that Kachina Aurora ever had. Um, and, that's awesome. And and Robbie, you have been more supportive, like like especially like recently, like your support of the podcast, your support of of the business, like you've just been amazing. And I just like want everyone to know how incredible oh, you are, you. and and the the company that you've built, and just you're just an amazing person. But you're right, people don't understand what this takes. Well, they see the, they see the public part of it. So, um, so I was chatting with Christopher, like every once in a while, we're able to get together and and we talk about things and and it's nice for me to be able to have people to, to bounce things off of, because he had said to me one time, he he was like, you, you're a public person. And I'm like, no, I'm just a private person. I just, you know, I run this little tiny shop and he's like, no, you really don't. And it wasn't until like, he actually said something to me years ago and I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize that, you know, but it's, it's that public, you know, so what people see publicly and how we interact with them publicly. And it's the same with you because you and I've had lots of conversations and, you know, had time, you know, uh, away from work. And just sitting around the fire in your backyard yeah, and, or your backyard you know, yeah, or my backyard. Yeah. And, um, and it, in, in understanding that, you know, we also have that, that private personal life and, yeah. and how we feed that and, and the, the flow back and forth with it. But it is, it's about the work that we put forward in our communities, but it's also, you know, how that work nurtures us personally, Absolutely. you know, kind of behind the scenes as well and how Absolutely. important that is. Yeah. And so there, there is one thing I also wanted to, you know, touch on that I feel that's really, really important because we're talking about business. Yeah. We're talking about money. We're talking about, you know, what we put out into our communities yes. and what we receive personally. So the pagan community, and I use that as a very general term, right? So it incorporates, you know, all aspects of paganism, whatever you want to call it, has this almost mentality of lack. I would and agree. so I, I, I would I'm agree. bringing this back around to, you know, what you had said kind of at the beginning of this podcast of, you know, people, they, they have this mindset, like we can't be successful because we, you know, if we're truly walking a witchcraft path or, you know, the starving artist or that mentality of we're in constant lack. Yep. Oh, I don't have the money to buy that. Right. Oh, this is a really great cauldron, but I don't have the money to buy that. This is a really great book but I don't have the money to buy that. And that mindset and that mentality, and yes, your financial situation might be in such a way where, you know, you might not have it. And I'm going to use a Raven Gramasi and a Stephanie Taylor Gramasi term. Yes, yes. Okay? It is not in my budget at the moment. Yes. Because that puts it in the present moment. It, exactly. It, it changes it from, uh, I am this way to this yes. is just a moment in time. Exactly. And exactly. That's so it's important, not in my right? budget at the moment. Right. If you're constantly saying, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, you're telling the universe, this is you're who broke. you are. And the universe yeah. is going to be like, oh, you're broke. 
okay, I'm going to keep you broke, right? Yeah. If you're like, yeah, I can't afford that right now, but maybe next year or the year after, or, after, yeah. or in a few months, or and changing your mindset from lack to abundance, yeah. because yeah. we do live in an abundant universe. Even when we go we, through loss, we yeah. still live in an abundant universe. We still- We and, have, that is the way of the witch. Yes. You know, it's the way of walking this path. We will have lean times. We will have abundant times. This is the cycle of the earth. This is the cycle of the harvest. Yes. You know, in the spring, when we are planting all of our seeds and when we are tilling the earth and we are adding our fertilizer and we're adding our intentions and we're doing all that, that is a lean time of year. The spring, you know, we're like, oh, it's, you know, the growth of abundance and all of this thing. It's a lean time of year. We've just come out of winter. There's really not much left. It's Spring is just hope. But what are we doing? We are planting hope. Yes. It's just We hope. are planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And we are going to nurture that, even though we might be struggling a little bit, until things start to grow. And then we're going to harvest this, and we're going to harvest it in such a way that it's sustainable, and it gives back, and it supports our community. Because when we support our neighbor, and we support our community, guess what? They, they support, support us when times are lean. Yes. Yes. And that's, and that's such that a great, it is. And that's, that's the cycle of earth. That's the cycle of humanity. That's the cycle of yep. business. Um, and, and I do, I love the metaphor of the planting hope because, and it's something that I've gone back to over and over again, especially yeah. during COVID is saying the sun always rises, the yes. summer, the summer always comes. So, yep. you know, Mother Earth is going to continue her cycles, and mm-hmm. the knowing and winter is, and and winter comes. And, winter and here comes, in New England, it you know, comes hard. <laughs> so how do we prepare for that? Right. Do do we look at it fatalistically no. and and hold it in such a, a space that it's like, oh, woe is me, and oh, this is going to be awful, and and we're coming into that season, or are we coming into this time of lean? Right because we know that it's coming. Do we prepare? Yes. Do we stock our shelves? Yes. Do we, do we reach out to our neighbors and say, how can I help you now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so it's, it's, you know, how do we prepare for these things as well? And it is walking the path. It is the, the cycle turns round and round and round. And I think that as witches, as pagan people, as anyone who walks a more nature-based um, spiritual path, we recognize that it's cyclical mm-hmm. and it's not linear. Yes. And, and you know, whatever it is that you're in, good or bad, mm-hmm. it's impermanent. It will pass. It is. So the yep. joyful, fantastic stuff one day is going to end and the mm-hmm. hard stuff is also going to end. It is what yes. we choose to focus on, which is what will sustain us. And so again, going yes. back to like what we've all been through through COVID and saying, man, yes. this fucking blows. And there's <laughs> a lot of stuff that has been really, really hard. The collective trauma of the last 18 months. Yeah. And if you want to go further back, the collective trauma of the last maybe four years, um, without getting into yeah. the, without getting into all <laughs> yes. the politics, but amen, sister. Right. Like, <laughs> cause we're not just talking about COVID. You're talking about no. civil unrest. You're talking about, you know, yes. uh, uh, murders in the streets, you're talking about the time in which we live in is a very tumultuous, uh, scary, traumatic time. And we're all watching it live happening on our phones. We're all watching it in real time as it's happening. 
And so we're all collectively traumatized. And at the same time, breathing in deeply and saying, the universe has me. Mm -hmm. There is still abundance within my life. And that abundance could be just joy. It can be mm -hmm. How can I make things better? How can I make things better? In little, tiny in little moments. Yes. Right? I was having a conversation yes. with someone yesterday and we were saying this exact thing. It is these small acts of kindness that Huge. help us maintain through these ri ridiculous, weird, scary things. And that goes yeah. for our personal lives, our community lives, and our businesses, right? You know, Absolutely. in community, there's someone who's sick, who lives nearby. I'm going to make them soup. Right. And, you know, and, and it's the smallest thing that I can do, but it makes yep. the biggest difference to that person. It absolutely does. Right? In business, I'm going to look at my team who has been, you know, by me through everything and believing in this company. And maybe I'm just going to bring them all coffee and be like, it's all I can do, but I love you and I appreciate it. Or buy it. them sweatshirts. Or buy them sweatshirts. Did you buy, <laughs> did you buy all those? I know you've put an order in for all those sweatshirts. Yes. Thank you so it's, much. It's for, it's for our team, yeah. Thank you. So I can't wait. You've got to like take pictures and, and post it. Oh, I will. We'll, um, we'll totally model them. I couldn't <laughs> believe people, for those of you who are listening that don't know, um, and I don't know when this episode is going to air, but um, we're doing a limited run of our Kachina Aurora uh, zip-up hoodies. Um, yes. And they're on pre-order and Robbie ordered a bunch of them, and um, which I'm super grateful. Um and they're really, they're like really expensive to make. So that's why I was like, listen, I'm just going to do pre-orders. And if yeah. someone orders them, we can, we can pay for them, but I can't just keep them in stock. They're too expensive to Correct. do that. So um, I saw your order come in and I was like, oh my God, Robbie ordered a bunch of them. <laughs> um, it's very exciting. Also, because, because it, it's something that I, I can give to my team and, and all of us that are here, but it supports you too. Well, right. So it's those little things, right? It's those little it's those bits little of joys. Those, and, and I think that it's something that we can hold on to and shift our mindset from lack to abundance by saying, Absolutely. what small joy can I give and what mm -hmm. small joy can I in, appreciate, right? And, and living in gratitude and living in abundance, it's all we can do as witches, as entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. And, and it's amazing. So I will, I will add one other small thing to that. Yes. And, and I know we're probably close to out of time. We but are. Something that's really, that's really important um, in having that aspect of gratitude and, and whatnot. There is a very powerful, powerful phrase that makes all the difference in the world. And that is thank you. And even if it's saying thank you for something in the past. So real quick, I, I saw family recently. There was a time in my life when things were exceptionally lean. My children were very young. I had just gone through a divorce and we were living off of wick. Like I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I have very little food in the house and, you know, I'd support my aunt was actually feeding my kids while I was trying to work. I, it was, it was a really, really rough, rough time in my life. Yeah. And, um, my sister and my brother-in-law showed up one day with groceries, stocked my cupboards, stocked them. I didn't ask for this. I didn't tell them that I was in this situation. Was it difficult to it, accept? It was very, it, 
it what I it was difficult to accept, but at the same time, it was that dynamic of oh, I can breathe. Yeah, because someone reached out and helped me, even though I didn't ask for it. So recently, uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting family, and again, this whole COVID thing has just—it's so important to be grateful for what we do have and where we are now, because Absolutely. like you said, we may not be there. You know, we, we're going to grow and evolve. And I, I was like, I need to thank you for something you did literally almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and they were like, and I, and, and I told them and they were like, we remember that day. And, and we were so grateful to be in a position to be able to help you at that time when you really needed it. I said, I need you to know First of all, thank you for stepping in when I really needed it and I didn't know how to ask for it. Yeah. And secondly, I need you to know that that has been paid forward multiple times over. Right. So coming back to this place of saying thank you Living in gratitude. for whatever we receive. Yes. And, yes. you know, if it's someone opening a door for us yes. so that if our hands are full of packages and we're not struggling yes. to do that. Or someone is bringing us food, you know, it's like, Hey, I've got this extra lunch I'm going to give you, or, you know what, you know, I'm buying a gift for someone else yeah. just because we say that all the that time. Makes thank you. Yeah. Justin and I will do, you know, little things like, um, go to the Starbucks drive through and give a bigger tip to the person yep. there. Right. And, and we always say when we can, we will. And yes. being grateful for the opportunity, a friend today had a fundraiser on Facebook because her cat is sick. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give a little bit of money because I have a little bit. Um, right. And if I can, I, I, I will. Um, sometimes I can't and sometimes I can, but I'm grateful yeah. that I have the opportunity to do that. And I think that's yes. also important is to be grateful when someone does for you, but also to be grateful when you're in a position to help other people, because the more and you have, the more gratitude you have, the more you have to be grateful for. It, exactly. And I think, and also doing it from a place of being humble is very, yes. very important. Yes. It's, it's, you're not doing it from a place of, I want recognition no. because I, you know, no, 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 no. We do this very humbly. Right. I'm a big proponent. Um, a lot of people don't know the amount of charity work that I do. I do a lot of charity work. You do. And, and, and not only like charity work for other, you know, organizations that better the greater communities in which they serve, but also individually yeah. as much as I can, because when I can, I will. And yes. when I can't, I recognize that yes. I can't and yes. I'm okay with that. Yes. But I don't do it for recognition. And that I think is what's really important. You know, if we do it from a place of being humble and grateful. It really does enrich our lives in such a way that um, transforms us you yeah, know, absolutely. And, and, and to be and, better. And it's those little things that guide mm -hmm. us through our workings as witches, as business as people, entrepreneurs. as yep. women in our lives, as friends, yep. as yes. you know, for you being a mother, you know, like those little things, those little ways of, of weaving through the world yes. are what guide us. And that's how we affect change. Some yeah. people affect change by making music. Some people affect yeah. change by writing books. Some people affect change by holding a space like you have. And all of it is wonderful, beautiful, and, and valid. And I am so grateful that we had this conversation today. It's amazing to too. talk to someone on this level who kind of like gets the, that whole 
picture. Um, so I, I have to, okay, wait, we have to wrap up, but, um, yes, my, my final, my, well, first tell us about where people can connect with you, Robbie, if people want to okay. chat with you, uh, find information about the shop, where can they find those things? So you can, um, you can find me at the Robin's nest and we are in Bellingham, Massachusetts. And the website is the Robin's nest, ma.com. We've worked really hard this year on putting our online store up and running. Um, and we've, we've done really the best that we can with it. So it's the Robin's nest, ma.com forward slash browse slash shop or dash browse dash shop. We're going to have all uh, the, all the links and everything to find you is going to be on. And you can email us. Absolutely. Yeah. Email as well. And, um, or you know what? I just call. (laughs) And Robbie's going to be the person who answers the phone. phone. So, right. It's, it's you. Okay. So final question, Robbie. Um, Oh, I'm excited because I'm prepared. You were prepared for the final question. If you could have me cook you one meal in a kitchen witchy way, what would it be and why? I am so excited you're asking me this question. I was like, oh, you have to ask me this question. Yeah, because then I'm going to make the recipe and I'm going to post it on your your, uh, page for the show. Yeah. Yes, because I do listen to your podcasts. All right. Thank you. So, so the dish that I would love for you to make, and we actually, um, you actually brought this this up um, before. I would like you to make me shepherd's pie. (gasps) Didn't I make you shepherd's pie? And I'm going to tell you why. You made shepherd's pie at witch, Witchcraft by the Hearthside with Raven and S- Stephanie Gramasi. Mm-hmm. So that night, we we opened up the classroom. I, I bought a fireplace specifically for that, so I that remember. Raven could sit by sit by the fireplace and tell stories. You know, back in like the days of of old, and a bunch of us were wearing our jammies. Yeah, I think and, I was wearing my jammies. Yes, and it was just it was so amazing, and you you made shepherd's pie and I'd never had it before because it's a new England thing. It's right. not a Southern California thing. Right, 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 right. And it was happiness. It was comfort. It was <laughs> happiness. It was that recipe. And, um, my only caveat is, is I can't, you know, I have to do except, you know, very limited dairy, you yeah. know, these days in my yeah. life. So, you know, dairy free is a great option, but you know, having that, that warm, wonderful food, listening to, you know, a beloved friend, an elder in our witchcraft mm-hmm. community who is no longer here with us mm-hmm. and having that memory of his stories and everybody sitting on the floor of Adam crocheting. Oh my God. It was such a magical and, night. And, you know, it was, it was, it was such a night of magic and I don't think I've had shepherd's pie since. Well, then I'm going to put my shepherd's pie recipe, which is, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's a little, um, involved. It's labor intensive, but it's pretty easy. Um, and, uh, I will, I will try to work out a dairy free. How about, how about, could you use lactose free milk in the mashed potatoes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's all you would need to do. I typically use like almond milk. Yeah. 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 Uh, or, or like lactate milk. That's like real milk that doesn't have lactose in it. Yeah. Um, yep. cause I'm also having lactose problems. So. <laughs> so now I can't eat gluten and I can't eat dairy and I can't eat shellfish and I can't eat sugar, but I'm the kitchen witch. So I figure it out. Um, right. Yeah. I will put that recipe up for you and 
and you can make it and then I'll make it and we'll make it together and then we'll like do a zoom call and we'll like eat it in front of each other it'll be great all right we've just got to schedule a time where we can be outside yes in the nice cool crisp autumn Uh, air with a nice big bonfire it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming I mean it was a little it was nice yesterday and today it feels tropical again so yeah we got the AC it's coming though it's coming Robbie Packard you are just absolutely amazing delightful you are such a bright spot in the world for me and so many people i have to thank you for your time today i have to thank you for your insight i have to thank you for the work you do in the community and of course i have to thank you for your amazing support and love of me and my company um you are just i don't have the words i don't have the words for you um And that's saying something that's saying something. So, um, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. I hope you had a great time and until next time, I wish you many blessings and much, much gratitude. Thank you.